Chapter Number Twenty Four of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter Twenty Four it is the mind that maketh good or ill that maketh wretch or happy rich or poor as he enters the inn parlour he finds joyce sitting by the fire listening to mrs connolly who armed with a large tray is advancing up the room toward the table nobody but the mistress herself is allowed to wait upon the young lady and i hope miss joyce twill be your liking and sorry i am sir with a courteous recognition of beauclerk's entrance that tis only one poor fowl i can give ye but them commercial travellers are the devil they laugh nothing behind em if they could help it still miss with a loving smile at joyce i do think ye'll like the ham tis my own curin and i bought ye just a taste o this year's honey ye always a sweet tooth from the time ye were born i hardly have i could hardly have a sweet tooth before that says joyce laughing oh thank you mrs connolly it is a lovely tea and it is very good of you to take all this trouble who'd be welcome to any trouble if twasn't yourself miss says mrs connolly bowing and retreating toward the door a movement on the part of joyce checks her the girl has made an impulsive step as if to follow her and now seeing mrs connolly stop short holds out to her one hand but mrs connolly says she trying to speak naturally and succeeding very well so far as careless ears are in question but the mistress marks with a false note you will stay and pour out tea for us you will there is an extreme treaty in her tone the stronger in that it has to be suppressed mrs connolly halting midway between the table and the door with the tray in her hands hears it and a sudden light comes not only in her eyes but her mind why if you wish it miss says she directly she lays down the tray standing it up against the wall and coming back to the table lifts the teapot and begins to fill the cups you take sugar sir asks she of beauclerk who is a little puzzled but not altogether displeased at the turn affairs have taken after all as he has told himself a thousand times joyce is a clever girl she is determined not to betray the anxiety for his society that beyond question she is feeling and this prudence on her part will relieve him of many small embarrassments truly she is a girl not to be found every day he is accordingly most gracious to mrs connolly praises her ham extols her tea says wonderful things about the chicken when tea is at an end he rises gracefully and expresses his desire to smoke one more cigar 
and have a last look at the weather. "'You will be able to put us up?' says he. "'Oh, yes, sir, sure.' He smiles beautifully, and with a benevolent request to Joyce to take care of herself in his absence, leaves the room. "'He's a dale o' talk,' says Mrs. Conley, the moment his back is turned. She is now sure that Joyce has some private grudge against him, or at all events is not what she herself would call partial to him. "'Yes,' says Joyce. "'He is very conversational. How it rains still.' "'Yes, it does,' says Mrs. Conley, comfortably. She is not at all put out by the girl's reserved manner, having lived among the Ginthree for many years, and being well up to their queer ways. A thought, however, that had been formulating in her mind for a long time past, ever since, indeed, she found her young lady could not return home until morning, now compels her to give the conversation a fresh turn. I've got to apologize to ye, miss, but since ye must stay the night with me, I'm bound to tell ye I have no room for ye but a little one leadin out to me own. Are you so very full then, Mrs. Conley? I'm glad to hear that for your sake. Full to the chin, my dear, them commercials always drop down upon one just when last wanted. Then I suppose I ought to be thankful that you can give me a room at all, says Joyce laughing. I'm afraid I shall be a great trouble to you. Ne'er a scrap in my life, my dear. Twist proud I am to be of any service to ye. And perhaps twill make ye easier in your mind to know as you're under my protection and that no gossip can come me ye. The good woman means well, but she has flown rather above Joyce's head, or rather under her feet. I'm delighted to be with you, says Miss Cavanagh, with a pretty smile. But as for protection, well, the land leaguers round here are not so bad as the one should fear for one's life in a quiet village like this. There's worse than land leaguers, says Mrs. Connolly. There's them who talk. Talk of what? says Joyce, a little vaguely. Well now, my dear, sure you haven't lived so long without knowing there's cruel people in the world, said Mrs. Connolly, anxiously. And the fact you o goin' out drivin' with Mr. Beauclerk and staying out the night with him might give rise to the talk I'm fightin' again. Don't be angry with me now, Miss Joyce, and don't fret, but tis as well to prepare ye. Joyce's heart, as she listens, seems to die with her. A kind of sick feeling renders her speechless. She had never thought of that, of the idea of impropriety being suggested as part of this most unlucky escapade. Mrs. Connolly, noting the girl's white face, feels as though she ought to have cut her tongue out, rather than have spoken, yet she had done all for the best. "'Miss Joyce, don't think about it,' says she hurriedly. "'I'm sorry I said a word, but—' "'And after all, I'm right, my dear. 
"'Tis better for ye when evil tongues are waggin to have a real friend like me to your back to say the needful word. Ye sleep with me tonight, and I'll take ye back to her ladyship in the morning, and never leave ye till I see ye in safe hands once more. If ye liked him, pointing to the door through which Beauclerk had gone, I'd say nothing, for then all would come right enough. But as it is, I'll take it on myself to be the nurse to ye now that I was when ye were a little creature creeping along the floor. Joyce smiles at her, but rather faintly. A sense of terror is oppressing her. Lady Baltimore, what will she think? And Freddy and Barbara, they will all be angry with her. Oh, more than angry, they will think she has done something that other girls would not have done. How is she to face them again? The entire party at the court seems to spread itself before her. Lady Swanston and Lord Baltimore, they will laugh about it, and the others will laugh and whisper, and Felix, Felix Dysart, what will he think? What is he thinking now? To follow out this thought is intolerable to her. She rises abruptly. What o'clock is it? mrs conley says she in a hard strained voice i am tired i should like to go to bed now just eight miss anne if you're tired there's nothing like the bed you will like to say good night to mr beauclerk oh no no with frowning sharpness then recovering herself i need not disturb him you will tell him that i was chilled tired I'll tell him all that he ought to know, said Mrs. Conley. Come, Miss Joyce, everything is ready for ye, and a lie-down and a good sleep will be making of ye before morning. Joyce, to her surprise, is led through a very well-appointed chamber, evidently unused, to a smaller but scarcely less carefully arranged apartment beyond the first is so plainly a room not in daily use that she turns involuntarily to her companion is this your room miss connolly for the night me dear says that excellent woman mysteriously you have changed your room to suit me you mean something says the girl growing crimson and feeling as if her heart was going to burst what is it no no miss no indeed confusedly but miss joyce i'll say this that tis eight year now since mr monkton came here and many's the good turn he's done me since he's been my lord's agent and that's nothing at all miss to the gratitude i bear toward your poor father the old head of the house and ye think when occasion comes I wouldn't stand up and do the best I could for one o' year blood. Figs, I'll take care that it won't be in the power of anyone to say a word again you. Against me? You're young, miss, but there's people old enough to have sense and charity as haven't it. I can see ye couldn't go home to-night through that rain through i'm not saying 
a little spitfully but that he might have managed it still faith twas bad travelin for man or beast with a view to softening down her real opinion of beauclerk's behaviour how can she condemn him safely is he not my lady's own brother is he not my lord the owner of the very ground on which the inn is built of the farm a mile away where her cows are chewing the cud by this time in peace and safety you have changed your room to oblige me says joyce still with that strange miserable look in her eyes don't think about that miss joyce now and don't fret yourself about anything else either you're sure you can remember that i'm to your back always she bridles and draws up her ample figure to its fullest height looking at her it might suggest itself to any reasonable being that even the forlornest damsel with any such noble support might well defy the world but joyce is not to be so easily consoled what is support to her who can console a torn heart the day has been too eventful it has overcome her courage not only has she lost faith in her own power to face the angry authorities at home she has lost faith too in one whom against her judgment she has given more of her thoughts than was wise the fact that she had recovered from that folly does not render the memory of the recovery less painful the awakening from a troubled dream is full of anguish rising from a sleepless bed she goes down next morning to find mrs connolly standing on the lowest step of the stairs as if awaiting her booted and spurred for the journey i told him to order the trap early my dear for i knew ye'd be anxious says the kind woman squeezing her hand and now with an anxious glance at her i hope ye ate your breakfast i guess ye'd like it in your room so i sent it up to ye well come on dear mr beauclerk is outside waitin i explained it all to him said ye were tired you know and eager to get back so all's ready and the horse impatient in spite of the storm yesterday that seemed to shake earth and heaven to-day is beautiful soft glistening stains are rising from the early hill and bog and valley as the hot sun's rays beat upon them the world seems wrapped in one vast vaporous mist most lovely to behold all the woodland flowers are holding up their heads again after their past smitting from the cruel rain the trees are swaying to and fro in the fresh morning breeze thousands of glittering drops brightening the air as they swing themselves from side to side all things speak of a new birth a resurrection a joyful wakening from a terrifying past the grass looks greener for its bath all dust is laid quite low the very lichens on the walls as they drive past them look washed and glorified the sun is flooding the sky with gorgeous light there are sweet smells all round the birds in the woods on either side of the roadway are singing high chords in praise of this glorious day 
all nature seems joyous joyce alone is silent unappreciative unhappy the nearer she gets to the court the more perturbed she grows in mind how will they receive her there barbara had said that lady baltimore would not be likely to encourage an attachment between her and beauclerk and now though the attachment is impossible what will she think of this unfortunate adventure she is so depressed that speech seems impossible to her and all to mr beauclerk's sallies she scarcely returns an answer his sallies are many never has he appeared in grayer spirits the fact that the girl beside him is unmistakably low spirits has either escaped him or he has decided on taking no notice of it last night over that final cigar he had made up his mind that it would be wise to say to her some little thing that would unmistakably awaken her to the fact that there was nothing between him and her of any serious importance now having covered half the distance that lies between them and the court he feels will be a good time to say that little thing she is too distrait to please him she is evidently brooding over something if she thinks better crush all such hopes at once i wonder what they are thinking about us at home he says presently with quite a cheerful laugh suggestive of amusement no answer i dare say with a second edition of the laugh full now of wider amusement as though the comical fancy that has caught hold of him has grown to completion i shouldn't wonder indeed if they were thinking we had eloped this graceful speech he makes with the easiest air in the world they may be thinking you have eloped certainly says miss kavanagh calmly one's own people as a rule know one very thoroughly and are quite alive to one's little failings but that they should think it of me is quite out of the question well after all i dare say you are right i don't suppose it lies in the possibilities they could hardly think it of me either says beauclerk with a careless yawn so extraordinary careless indeed as to be worthy of note i'm too poor for amusement of that kind one couldn't be too poor for that kind of amusement surely romance and history have both taught us that it is only the impecunious who ever indulge in that folly i am not so learned as you are but well i'm an impecunious one in all conscience i couldn't carry it out i only wish tenderly i could with whom icily as she asks the question she turns deliberately and looks him steadily in the eyes something in her regard disconcerts him and compels him to think that the following up of the little thing is likely to prove difficult how can you ask me demands he with an assumption of reproachful fondness that is rather overdone i do nevertheless with you then if i must put it in words says he lowering his tone to the softest whisper 
it is an eminent lover-like whisper it is a distinctly careful one too it is quite impossible for mrs conley sitting behind to hear it however carefully she may be attending it is well you cannot put your fortune to the touch says joyce quietly if you could disappointment alone would await you you mean asks he somewhat sharply that were it possible for me to commit such a vulgarity as to run away with any one you certainly would not be that one you are the very last man on earth i should choose for so mistaken an adventure let me also add says she turning upon him with flashing eyes though still her voice is determinately low and calm that you forget yourself strangely when you talk in this fashion to me the scorn and indignation in her charming face is so apparent that it is now impossible to ignore it being thus compelled to acknowledge it he grows angry beauclerk angry is not nice to do myself justice i seldom do that says he with a rather nasty laugh to forget myself is not part of my calculations i can generally remember number one you will remember me too if you please so long as i am with you says joyce with a grave and very gentle dignity but with a certain determination that makes itself felt beauclerk conscious of being somewhat cowed is bully enough to make one more thrust after all dysart was right says he he prophesied there be rain he advised you not to undertake our ill-starred journey of yesterday there is distinct and very malicious meaning in the emphasis he throws into the last word i begin to think mr dysart is always right says joyce bravely though her heart has begun to beat furiously that terrible fear of what they will say to her when she gets back of their anger their courteous anger their condemnation has been suddenly presented to her again and her courage dies within her dysart what will he say it strikes even herself as strange that his view of her conduct is the one that most disturbs her only beginning to think of it why i always understood dysart was immaculate the couldn't err sort of person one reads of but never sees you have been slow surely to gauge his merits i confess i have been even slower i haven't gauged them yet but then dysart and i were never much in sympathy with each other no one can understand that says she one can naturally with the utmost self-compliance i confess indeed with a sudden slight burst of vindictiveness that i never liked dysart idiotic sort of fool in my estimation self-opinionated like all fools and deucedly impertinent in that silent way of his i believe with a contemptuous laugh he has given it as his opinion that there is very little to like in me either has he we were 
saying just now he is always right says miss kavanagh absently and in a tone so low that beauclerk may be excused for scarcely believing his ears eh says he but there is no answer and presently both fall into a silent mood joyce because conversation is terrible to her and he because anger is consuming him he had kept up a lively converse all through the earlier part of the drive ignoring the depression that only too plainly was crushing upon his companion with a view to putting an end to it sentimentally of any sort her discomfort her unhappiness was as nothing to him he thought only of himself few men under the circumstances would have so acted for most men in spite of all the maids who so generously abuse them are chivalrous and have kindly hearts and indeed it is only a melancholy specimen here and there who will fail to feel pity for a woman in distress beauclerk is a melancholy specimen End of chapter twenty four recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c